And I knew the film had been a success when I was at the YMCA a few months after, weeks after it came out in LA and someone shouted from the sort of treadmill over, you've got to do something about that bush girl. <laughs> I was like, Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And if you are in New York, Saturday, December 1st, that's Saturday, December 1st at 7.30 p.m., come see Employee of the Month show live. Brian Lair from WNYC will be our guest, as well as the formidable actor Jeffrey Wright and musical guests Maura Pinderhughes, plus more surprises. And as always, my fabulous Employee of the Month house band featuring my intern, Chris Shockwave-Sullivan, and his intern's intern, Andrew Jelly D. Bancroft. Both of them you probably know from Freestyle Love Supreme, which you will want to check out in part because their sold-out uh, run off-Broadway is coming up, and maybe, maybe, maybe you can score a ticket somehow. Come to the Bell House. It's going to be awesome. December 1st. Doors open at 7. Can't wait. It is our season finale. To get you excited about our live show, I want to take you back to a live show we recorded this year at Gramercy Theater with Emily Mortimer, who's currently starring in Mary Poppins 2. It looks awesome. I agree. We spoke about her father, this incredible barrister and journalist. We spoke about a scene that she was in in Lovely and Amazing in her birthday suit. I cannot rave enough about this movie. Lovely and Amazing was directed by Nicole Hall of Center, and I highly recommend you listen to our episode from Employee of the Month as well. And if you're not sure, you're like, who is this Emily Mortimer? You probably recognize her from Matchpoint and The Newsroom, or maybe from Doll and M, which was her own series on HBO with Dolly Wells. Now, in the States, I think that Dolly Wells is probably best known for Bridget Jones, but I discovered her on Peep Show and The Mighty Boosh, two of my favorite shows. Check those out as well. And once you hear our interview, you'll know why. This was recorded live at Gramercy Theater. I had read that you you studied Russian in university. I did. And so right now you could be doing something so thoughtful, like helping uh, save the democracy with that. <laughs> I, you know, I've tried to do good works, and it never works. I'm, I'm, I, I always screw it up. <laughs> I tried to do good works with my Russian, actually, when I was about... 22 or 3, and I, um, I heard that they needed Russian speakers for refugees that were, had come over from the Ukraine to London, and they were at, um, in Victoria, in Vauxhall, and there was a, a sort of, uh, you know, shelter for them, and, I, and they, they needed Russian speakers to come and help them fill out forms, and I was like, I need to do something with my education, I need to do good works, so I'm going to go there and be good and, 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 and do this, and I went, and I had, and there was a very overwhelmed woman that was running the the shelter and um and she couldn't didn't have time to sort of tell me what to do but she said listen it's very obvious just use your common sense you just help them fill out their forms and you know I'll debrief you afterwards but it's completely just common sense how you how you interact with these people anyway I had the most amazing day filling out the forms and talking to these people that had escaped and that you know one of them had worked at the Kiev Opera and she was this amazing woman and I just felt so sort of delighted by them and moved by them and proud of myself and delighted and moved by myself too. And, um, and I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I am amazing. And 
And at the end of the day, the woman, <laughs> the woman sat with me and she said, listen, you know, it was, as I said, it was common sense how you proceed. But listen, it's just obvious things like don't give anyone your telephone number or your address or, and I was like, oh shit. And I'd given, <laughs> I'd given about 10 people my, all my personal details. <laughs> and the next year and a half of my life was complete hell. I was being phoned up at three in the morning by people going, Emily. Please bring me to dental appointment in Lewisham. <laughs> I need you very badly, Emily. And I was de- doing it. I was driving people to dentist appointments in the <laughs> fucking east end of London. And by the end of it, I was so annoyed by all of them. All these people that I was <laughs> had fallen in love with at this shelter. I just hated by the end of it. <laughs> and I just realized I'm not nearly good enough to do good works. <laughs> because people in need are really like needy <laughs> and you have to you need boundaries you need boundaries you need to not give them your telephone number and your home address because otherwise you end up hating them <laughs> I mean you know what I mean not really but you know what I mean you, you end up <laughs> I just crossed so out I don't hate them but I did cross out your cell phone number just so you know <laughs> on this sheet of paper so that no one calls you <laughs> So I'm guessing that from there, that's how you chose to do Cars 2. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just stuck with, <laughs> I stuck with a job that I didn't need to give people my telephone number, my home address. Can you talk a little bit about, I just, because I grew up with your father's, with John Mortimer's books that became a television series. Can you t- talk a little bit about having, uh, because you went into journalism for a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about coming from a, a rather distinguished family? Your father was Sir John Mortimer. My, yeah. Oh, my God. Look at these pictures. As yeah, you, that's my as mom. A little, even though you look so much like your mom. Oh, my dad was, yes, my dad was Sir John Mortimer. Yes. He was a writer and a barrister, a, 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 a criminal defense Queen's Counsel barrister who would de- defended a lot of murderers. He defended a lot of pornography. He defended a lot of free speech. He defended the indefensible, really. He defended the Sex Pistols. They're not indefensible, obviously. He defended the Sex Pistols for saying bollocks. For the use of the word bollocks, they were prosecuted unbelievably under the Obscene Publications Act in 1976, the Sex Pistols, for the use of the word bollocks in their album, Never Mind the Bollocks. And my dad defended them and got them off, but he got them off. He was a big free speech lawyer, but he didn't get them off by sort of making big speeches about the importance of free speech. He got them off by getting a Church of England vicar, um, clergyman. What do you say here? Vicar? I have no idea. What do you say? A priest? Anyway, he got a... A rabbi. No, a Church of England rabbi. (laughs) He got, he got a, um, a Church of England rabbi slash priest to come, uh, who was an etymologist, who was a professor of etymology at Nottingham University, to come and say that bollocks was the rigging on a 17th century man of warship. And, um, and the judge was like, yes, absolutely, of course, of course it is. Yeah. And so the Sex Pistols got off. He was a very brilliant man and an amazing friend and the funniest person I've ever met and I miss him madly every day even though he died 10 years ago but he had real he had a really sort of anarchic uh view of life which I I still sort of hold dear and I think comes from having defended these people that you know having got to know people that had killed people he said murderers were very often the nice they were the nicest clients he had he said they were they were much nicer than divorcing couples who he did a lot of divorce cases too 
because generally because they couldn't get to a telephone and um and divorcing couples were always ringing up saying you'll never guess what he's done now he's got asked for custody of the toaster or something but <laughs> murderers were generally sort of in a cell somewhere and couldn't get to the telephone and um and also they got rid of the one person on earth who was making their life hell generally and so a sort of <laughs> peace had descended on them and they were very civilized and he said also that murder was the one crime that we could all commit it's a very human crime we might not rob a bank or or you know to commit fraud or something but we could all just get rid of somebody that was making our life hell and um i'm glad I, you stopped helping the russians and uh, <laughs> do you know i was telling this to my children the other day i was telling this story these stories about my dad because they never well my son met him but and your son's 14 he's 14 he was he was about five when my dad died but my daughter never met him and i was saying you know I was te- they were saying, tell us about your dad. And I was saying, he was the most amazing man. And he had all these kind of incredible views on life. And he really liked murderers. And he thought that mur- <laughs> you could be a good person and kill someone and an awful person and never get a parking ticket your whole life. And by the end of the conversation, both my children were crying, going, oh, my God, Mom, you're scaring us. Stop talking like that. And I was like, oh, well, it's, oh, God, shit. I mean, I don't mean it like that quite, but anyway. <laughs> and was he who inspired you to start out in journalism? What inspired you to, you know, take a, a stab, at least for a little bit, to write for the Daily Telegraph, I believe? Oh, yeah, no, the, um, yes. Yes, I wrote a column for the Daily Telegraph. How old were you when you did that? I, or just out of college? I'm I really just, just asking when I in your think, career that was. I, I think that was... God, I don't know. I think, yeah, just as I was out, just out of college, that's right. Before Cars 2. Before Cars 2. Your whole career should be defined by that. <laughs> before, way before, long before Cars 2. I was working up to Cars 2. Yes. When that's I... an animated hit for um, people in the crowd who don't know that film and should check it out. <laughs> should we just talk about Cars 2? No. No. Um, no, I did. I, somebody asked me to write a column for the Telegraph and. Um, about sort of, I think they wanted me to write about sort of parties in London or something, like as almost like a social column. And I was just too embarrassed to do that. And besides, I didn't go to any parties. So I I just thought, oh, all right, well, I'll, I'll do it, but I'll do it as a fictional character. So I made up this, this fictional character that wasn't really so fictional, but was, she was called Nina from, as, as in the bad actress in The Seagull by Anton Chekhov. Oh, wow. And, um, and she, it was just the sort of trials and tribulations of a sort of out of work actor. And it was like a sub Bridget Jones, really. But I, it was quite good. It was quite cathartic. I got out all my frustration and misery. It seems like you knew you wanted to be an actor really young. And one of my, you've been in many, many films, but I first discovered you from a film, The Glass Virgin. Oh my God. Yes. Um, and luckily for you, I did not play a clip, but I do want to show a picture. Oh my god! You look like a doll. (laughs) (laughs) Shit! I wish I still looked like that. You look beautiful. But uh, the wig was quite bad. It's like something that's been dropped out of from outer space onto my head. (laughs) Oh, the Glass Virgin. Yeah, Catherine Cookson's The Glass Virgin. I know it's a weird title. I was the I I was the an heiress to a glass factory. (laughs) Yes. Anyway. It's a very soapy... Um, yeah, it was a sort of historical... Soap sort opera. Of slight bodice ripper type thing. Like, quite yeah. sexy and romantic and saucy. And one of my 
all-time favorite films from one of my all-time favorite directors. She had um, recommended having you on the show, Nicole Holofsenar, and I'd love to show a clip from Lovely and Amazing, which you were received a wonderful critical acclaim for, duly deserved. My question to you is I have two different clips from the same scene. Oh, I don't know. This isn't going to be on the podcast, is it? Uh, not this. They can't... I mean, it'll be hard for them to hear into the nudity, I think. I don't know. That's a difficult question. We'll do one. We'll do one. We'll do keep one, it yes. modest. Yes. But I, 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 wanted, I wanted to show this clip not, not because of it being salacious, but because of it, I felt it really revealed the um, sadomasochism that goes into being an actor and what it really feels like, at least from my understanding, and you can tell me if it, how true to life it is. But So we're going to play this clip from Lovely and Amazing, which I, I strongly recommend everyone see when they get a chance. If I asked you to do something weird, would you maybe do it? Oh, absolutely. I'm gonna stand there. And you're gonna tell me everything that's wrong with me. You can also say what's good with me. But I hardly know you. I mean about my looks, my body, and my face. Oh, whoa, no way, girly. You kidding? No, uh-uh. You don't understand. You'd be doing me a favor, please. No. I won't be mad at you. No, not a chance. I want to hear your opinion. I won't get upset. This is some kind of trick. Why do you want me to do this? I just do it. Um, I, can, I can remember making that walk from the bed to the fireplace thinking... Fucking hell, this film better be good. It, it's <laughs> it's going to be so embarrassing if it isn't. Well, it's this tremendous film, but I remember from my like brief foray into trying acting where I would show up for a commercial audition and there would be 700 other females who looked just like me. <laughs> and then we'd sit there for six hours hoping to get that Kellogg's commercial. And obviously I got it. <laughs> in case they went funny. How close to home is this film in terms of, you know, acting, asking people to sort of stare at you? I've seen, I've been to directors' places when I've interviewed them, and they have, they used to have fax, faxed copies of the various actors and actresses, and they would look at them. And I was curious how much you could relate to this scene, or if it was not really relevant at all to you. Well, you know what? It was interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't so much the kind of, the, the body issue part of it that I I was really feeling at the time. I didn't. I mean, of course, yes, that's part of the course as a as an actor. You're just. I mean, you're so neurotic and 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 made to feel so insecure about everything, not just your looks, about everything. Your your your, your personality, your looks, your sexuality, the way you tell a joke or don't. So, I mean, everything is 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 so assessed and judged all the time, and you feel like you're uh, you're constantly sort of not you know, failing the test and stuff. So there was all that involved in it. But for me, that that scene was, it was more about a kind of a moment where I understood something about acting, which I really will forever have uh, Nicole Holofsen to thank for, because there was, I, I never went to drama school. I just went to university and, and studied Russian and, and thought I was going to do something sort of sensible with my life, but really secretly always wanted to act. And then an agent came and saw me at university and, and took me on and I got a part in The Glass Virgin and, and kept acting and kept acting. But I, I always felt really insecure about it and felt like I didn't really, I wasn't the real deal because I hadn't studied and I hadn't gone to drama school and 
And everyone would always talk about this mysterious phrase, you know, in the moment, what it is to be in the moment. And they'd be saying, you know, I really enjoyed that. You know, I really felt good, you know, performing in that. That, you know, I was really in the moment while that was happening. I was like, yeah, 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 I know, yeah, I know. Thinking, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> what does that mean, being in the moment? And it was this sort of mysterious thing. And I don't think I'd ever really sort of felt it before. But doing that scene, I was, I mean, as I said, I was walking from the bed to the fireplace thinking, please, this is just horrendous. I want my mother to come and pick me up and take me home. This is just so weird. I can't believe I'm about to do this. But then I stood there and I had, and Nicole had written the speech that he gives, that Dermot Mulroney gives about my body with me because we'd had to kind of tailor it to my own body so that it made sense. So I'd had to go through all the things that were good and bad about my own body with her before, before the scene. So we talked about my, you know, I said, I, I think I've got quite yellow teeth and and um, and my boobs are okay from the front, but they're a bit droopy from the side. And and I think my bush is quite big. I don't know, but I <laughs> I think from I don't know. I mean, I just I've sort of slightly picked up on the fact that I I don't <laughs> I think maybe I've got a bit of an un sort of trained bush. And um, and so anyway, all this got written into the speech, and I was standing there thinking. Okay, I'm deaf. As as he was Dermot was going down my body and assessing me and telling me everything that was good and everything that was bad about me, and I was standing there completely naked with these cameras on me for minutes, three minutes or four minutes. It went on, and I was thinking, okay, I am definitely in the moment now because there is there is no gap between me and this character. I am as idiotic, as brave, as vulnerable, as scared, as sort of wanting to cry and as liberated in a way as the person that I'm playing. And it was an amazing, it was an amazing feeling for that reason. And, and luckily I don't now have to, you know, since then I don't have to only be completely naked in order to be in the moment, but I got a, I just got a feeling of it and, um, yeah, and everything. And, and, I, and I knew the film had been a success when I was at the YMCA a few months after, weeks after it came out in LA and someone shouted from the sort of treadmill over, you've got to do something about that bush girl. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. And people kept coming up to me afterwards at the premiere saying, oh, that was such a brave choice to, you know, wear that merkin. And, and I was like, oh God, I <laughs> For health, for health reasons, it's good to just let it, <laughs> let it, let it air out and grow out and all the rest. I, the YMCA. You lived in Echo Parks, Silver Lake. We lived in in West Hollywood at that time, but then in the end, we lived in Echo Park. Yeah, I think we went to the same Y, but I didn't see your Merkin um, <laughs> no. while, while I was there. But you, you, you did make a point. You referenced saying, you know, luckily I don't have to do that anymore. But there is this thing sometimes perhaps it's a stereotype that women have to play a prostitute or be naked or, or something in order to start getting meteor roles. Is that true or is that just in my head that I made that up? <laughs> no, I mean, I think... I don't think so. I, I mean, maybe sometimes, but I you think... You have to speak on behalf of all women if yeah. you could do 52% of the population. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I think you just need to find a role that is... Uh, interesting and is different and sometimes those roles do involve doing things that are kind of quite brave and out there and weird and and that can be anything from you know whatever being a prostitute to a to drunk or to you know having I don't know whatever it is like there's there's just people who are uh, you know put in 
extreme situations are people who are interesting to play and therefore people who are, you know, uh, characters that come alive on a screen, you know, I think. I, I do want to, to ask you a little bit about a project you did with your best friend. Yes. Dolly Wells, who yes. is a hilarious actor. And I was a big fan of, of Dolly and M on HBO. And I heard a rumor that you might be working on a new project together. Is that true? It is true. Would it be possible if she came out and um, we got to hear from the two of you about what it was like to work together and, and what you're working on these days? Yes, I think so, unless she's gone home. Um, let's, she... let's start clapping and see if we can get the one and only Dolly Wells you may know from Bridget Jones, Blunt Talk, or HBO's Doll and M. Without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Dolly Wells. You're, you're work wives. We are. Yeah, I know. Lucky yeah, I hadn't she's gone the only home. person I could get to come tonight. Thanks. My... <laughs> I was at home you know shaving my bush. <laughs> I skipped over. I was going to ask about meeting your husband on Love's Labor Lost, but because he decided not to come tonight, we're not going to find out the yeah, real story. Yeah, screw him. The UK, Britain, how do you prefer to call your, your home country, your, your land with comprehensive health care? What do you refer to England. it? England. You can tell that you've been living in America for slightly too long when you start calling it the UK, don't you think? The UK it's feels really weird Really weird. So Doll and M was a huge hit in the, the, the UK, is what you say England. you like to call it? England. Um, well, Scotland's and, and the UK. lesser and the UK. half. The entire United Kingdom. Yeah. Exactly. Across the board. And I want to say, for my generation, how cathartic I found Doll and M. It's so funny, and it was so interesting to see you, uh, you know, do this play uh, in a play in this TV series. <laughs> and I was curious, I, mean, I will let people watch Doll and M, but... I know that you're working on another series now, and I was curious what you're tackling in that one. Or you're doing a film. Dolly's just directed, I've just directed a brilliant a film. film. My editor is sitting in the back, Adelina. Okay. Called Good Posture. Called, and Emily's in it. I will sit up better. How's that, how am I doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is it's my audition. Sort of, it's a sort of pun on posture in terms of, you know, having a front of being that like, you know what you're doing. Anyway, we are <laughs> writing something, but it's very early on, so, so we're not at a point of having decided quite what we want to do. But Okay. So that's all there is to say really about that. I was curious if you might share a little part just because in Doll and M in the credits, it shows you writing together in a lighthouse like Virginia Woolf. <laughs> and it sounded, it seemed so romantic to see the two of you where you were able to shut off all the rest yeah. of your life. Which and of is course, very it's a- unlike real life because when we sit and write together, if we have a we're sort normally of... normally in Starbucks. Yeah, and if we have an hour and a half, we probably spend about an hour and 14 minutes talking and then we get very, very serious for about 16. <laughs> do you want to share a little, oh. just a little oh. Oh, piece of it or no? As... It's up to you. What do you think? You've been through enough for one evening. <laughs> I've been through enough. Oh, God, I don't mind. I mean, it's, it's just a, like a very, very first draft of something. The only thing that scares me is I don't know if it'll make sense, but we could try. Audience, would you all like to hear from the wonderful... Just. Just don't Charlie just be, Wells and, and be really forgiving because it's really not. So uh, you have to set, we have to set the scene, baby. Okay, so this, this, the, the premise is it's another sort of very codependent, toxic relationship <laughs> between two women who. This is even worse. This, in this case, they don't know each other. And I, my character is called Faith, and she's a very driven type A um, banker, and she's been headhunted by Goldman Sachs or somewhere, and she's come to New York with her two teenage children and her husband, who's a house husband, who's a is that the right phrase? Is that the politically correct phrase? I don't think that is probably is that uh, condo husband. Uh, yeah, is the politically yeah, correct. yeah. <laughs> 
Exactly. The homemaker. The homemaker, yeah. The, the primary parents or something. Yes. And um, anyway, we've come to New York and I've, everything's always very much in order in my life, apart from I'm having slightly weird intrusive thoughts because I'm <laughs> freaking the fuck out about the fact that my life has just completely been turned upside down and my orderly existence is now quite disorderly because I'm having to get my family over to New York and organize their immunizations and the this and the that and the stuff. Meanwhile, Dolly's character, Charity, is... See what we're doing, Faith sim- and Charity. <laughs> similar age yep. woman. Quite a lot younger. <laughs> With two teenage children of a similar age and a husband. Who's at the beginning of this pilot, but you don't see this bit now, but has, um, is having a sort of episode. So has... A manic. A manic episode and was supposed to be taken into treatment centre by her husband. Because she threw a bottle of whiskey at the, te- at the Queen on the television. And called her a C-word. Can you, can't. Are you allowed to say that? No. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my husband is going to check me in and we're waiting for the receptionist and then he needs to go to the loo and says he doesn't dare go off because I'll run away. And I say, no, 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 this time it's going to be completely different. I love you. I love all of us. I'm never going to run away. And he goes to the loo and I just run. And I, um, I run to the airport and wave I... Wave goodbye to your children in the car. Wave at my children in the car, scale a wall and run to the hitchhike and run to the airport and... Get on the same flight as me and my children and my husband. She's in you. first class. Her children in premium economy. And I splashed out and got a premium economy ticket on, with no money on my credit card. And then I, I find an Airbnb that I stay in that happens... God, you're bored already. This <laughs> happens to be owned by a therapist who tells me not to answer the phone in his office. He's a cognitive behavioral therapist. He's yeah. going away on holiday for a week or so. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm getting these weird intrusive thoughts. I'm pretending in England as well, we're very unwoke about therapy. therapy. We don't, n- nobody goes to therapy unless it's sort of, I mean, some people do, but certainly not p- people like this character. They like therapy is something you end up in if your life really goes off the rails. It's not something you do. To the point where they did a huge, you know, countrywide initiative. <laughs> seriously they did they invested all of this money in mental health care you right. haven't been well, back yeah. exactly Prince Harry's been very involved in yeah. it yeah because nobody goes to therapy you know how funny they thought that was and I was like no it's really happening <laughs> <laughs> we're like oh <laughs> anyway uh, but there, I've, I've got the Goldman Sachs pamphlet you know um, welcome pack and in it there's a number of a therapist and I keep laughing with my husband about oh, how weird why would they have a number of a therapist in the welcome flat blah 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 but secretly, it's turning over in my mind that I might want to ring this therapist at some point because I'm having weird thoughts like I might want to pee myself or throw myself off a height or something <laughs> at, at inopportune moments. Anyway, we're going to... Oh, I'm exhausted already. You I think that be might be so enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's good Do you guess. still want us to read this? Uh, uh. Okay. So th- at this moment, I am in... A, I've just had to leave a dinner that I'm having with my husband and another couple my husband and my two children and another couple and their two children and the the other couple is another high powered businesswoman and her husband and we're up the top of the Rockefeller Center and she makes me look down at at, um, a shop shop, Um, Barney's or something and I start really freaking out because we're so high up and I have to excuse myself and leave and I go downstairs and I ring the therapist number. And, okay, here we go. And it's draft one, okay? <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> okay. We'll, do it, we'll read it to you again when we're Meanwhile, in draft Do- Meanwhile, Dolly has been going around New York, charity, and she's got more and more out of it, more and more mad, more and more. She's had the time of her life. She's gone on... on Emily, um, Emily. Yeah. 
Go. Okay. Read. She's. Okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay. Dolly is. Charity's character now. is now lying on the floor of the therapist's Airbnb apartment. An empty bottle of vodka is by her side. This is her. She's sprinkling her face, which is still wet and swollen from crying, with glitter. And the phone can be heard ringing in her off in the office. Meanwhile, exterior street outside Rockefeller Center evening. Faith, me, is clutching her phone to her ear and standing frozen in the street. She looks terrified. Hello? Hello, who is this? Or, or would you rather not say? Do you want, do you want me to guess? Um, I, I think I've got the wrong number. How do you know? Um, I'm looking for Dr. Frank Mahoney. Well, this is he. <laughs> How can I help you? Oh, um, sorry, I'm, I'm not sure how this works. Should I just start telling you what's happening? Yeah, go on then. Okay, um... I'm at a dinner with my family and a family we don't know. Mm. And I just walked out of the restaurant and um, I don't know why. No, I do that all the time. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're obviously boring you. Um, no, it's, it's, it's on the 70th floor of the um, Rockefeller yeah, Centre. Yeah, cool, I went there today. Really? Mm. Well, anyway, I looked out of the window and... Um, I thought the building was going to fall down yeah. or that I was going to jump off it yeah. or scream yeah. or, um, or, or urinate. Yeah. I, I've been getting that a lot. Um, anyway, what is that? Well, um, first things first, you have definitely rung the right person because um, I was there this morning. I cased the joint and it is safe as houses, safer. Just, just give the Empire State Building a wide berth until I've fixed it. Are you English? Yeah, I am. And you are a superior human being. That's what it is. Just, just go for a walk. Find a better way to spend your evening. No, I can't. Well, why not? Yes, you say <laughs> yes, yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> no, I, I, I can't. My, my family are still up there with them. And um, I may need to do business with the wife. I have to get back up there. Okay. Um, so just listen to exactly what I say and then do it, okay? It's okay. Cut to restaurant. A bit, few minutes later, Faith, my character, walked calmly back to her table, smiling into my phone. I say, absolutely, you two, thanks again. <laughs> Hang up and sit down and, with the family and say, apologies all, just working a deal involving parties on the West Coast and China, so communication is all ours. Still, when it comes off, it'll be a landmark transaction, so can't complain. <laughs> That's setting it. So that's the setting it. So then this, cut to later that night, me and my, what's the words? Not house husband. Work uh, wife. My, my, my husband. husband. <laughs> uh, uh, he's, he's freaking out in bed a little bit. I'm working on my laptop. He's freaking out about all the stresses and strains of moving to America. And I'm going to be him, so I'm just going to make my voice a little she's bit She's going to be him, and she's going to be then charity okay. later in the scene. Oh, wait, but, okay, go Doesn't on matter. then. Doesn't matter. Okay, go on then. Um, I suppose I could, I could just go every day and do small shops or I could get a taxi, but they just they never bloody know where they're going. Brett was saying that he orders everything from some delivery company, but with fresh, fresh produce, I, don't, I just don't know if that's wise. What did you think of them? They were a bit humorous, weren't they? Yeah? No? Those people at dinner. Oh, God, I couldn't get Theo's orthodontist appointment for a whole month. His teeth are going to be all over the shop by then. I mean, and he's really upset about the cat. I am too, oddly. God, so weird. Um, 
I don't know who I should be in New York. Or anywhere, come to think of it. Sorry, Poots, I'm just, I'm feeling a bit lost. It's just, the restaurant that I was going to open felt like stepping out of your shadow, finally. He's not I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> He's crying. Oh. Faith, Faith snaps her laptop <laughs> shut and slides her hands on the covers and starts, <laughs> starts <laughs> wanking him off. <laughs> Anyway, I stopped wanking. We were practising this in the taxi and I obviously I was saying, don't, I don't know how what to... you're doing, so just pretend. Know how to wank him off. Just don't. I'm too... I can't <laughs> watch. Anyway, I start wanking him off and I go... <laughs> I go, sweetheart, sweetheart, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> we're on course. This is why we're here. I will get you the down payment by the end of the fiscal year. You'll be an equal partner. <laughs> You'll be an equal partner of Benjamin Horse, I promise you. <laughs> and before you know it, you'll be supporting me. Ring, ring. Oh, please, please, please don't answer that. No, please don't no, answer that. I, I can do both. Okay. So, so I've got the phone and then I'm doing the, the wanking too. Um, <laughs> hello? And now I'm back to being charity. Now she's charity. Okay. She's, she's the, the pretend shrink. Ring, okay. Go on. Hello? You're, you're an angel. What? Um, I just wanted to let you know that I'm very glad I found you because I'm an angel too and it's all just going to be so much easier now, you'll see. Um, I'm, I'm so I'm sorry. Not, not <laughs> <laughs> this is really hard. It's also going on for a very long time. I'm, so I'm quite proud of myself as Andrew. I can go on all night. Um, so, sorry, who is this? It, it's Frank Mahoney, remember, your therapist. Oh, yes. You might yes, have to stop doing this. I'm going <laughs> to... Anyway, you get the point. So, okay, um, carrying on. Okay, yes, okay. Oh, yes, we're, we're oh, yes gonna, hello. Thank the therapist. Okay, go on, hello. We're going to save the world, you and I, before it's too late. So thank you, Faith. Anything is possible when you have faith. Do you remember that song? Well, I guess it would be nice. <laughs> if I could touch your body, I know not everybody has got a body like you. Yes, wonderful. Thank you so much. Because you've got to have faith, faith, faith. <laughs> you just got to have faith. You get it? It's your name. Faith, faith, faith. Faith, faith. Faith, faith la laughs for the first time in ages and puts her hand over the phone so her husband yeah. can't hear the singing. Sorry. Yes, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for your help, Ellie. I don't know what I would have done without you. Thank don't you Don't so let much. anything scare you, Faith. Sure, there are devils out there, but I'll our team is growing. <laughs> I like your laugh. You sound quite sexy. Okay, good. Thank you so much. Bye. Faith puts the phone down but continues with the hand job. <laughs> long hand job. Yeah, it is so long. <laughs> who, who is that? You're blushing. It's Megan in accounts. <laughs> you guys. Turns out she's a little bit. Dolly Wells, Emily Mortimer. That was the hardest thing to ever have to cut off as a talk show host is an imaginary hand job. I want to give both of you thank you gifts. Thank you both for coming. I know you're in, uh, this is for, that's for Dolly. This is for you. Your bag is huge. I got some letters from the Midford sisters because I know you're producing a work on the Midfords. We'll have to have you all back. Russ and Daughters got you Bobka. Factory got you these wonderful toys. This book is by Hermione Hobie called um, Neon and Daylight. I hope you enjoy it as well as the Midford sisters and some gifts for your kids and husband from Factory. Um, I want to thank you both for your beautiful work and we look forward to seeing the final draft but that was really, really fun to have that window into how hard it is to write and act and perform. So thank you. Listening to Emily Mortimer and Dolly Wells is making me excited about the December 1st show. 
So I hope I'll see you at the Bell House. I do want to thank Gramercy Theater, my band, Chris, Shockwave Sullivan, Andrew Jelly D. Bancroft, Robbie Jost, who actually was performing with our band, and he took a night off from Dear Evan Hansen to do so, Smuta, who you may recognize from TV and the radio, The Gong Show, Camille Harris, as well as our live illustrator at that show, Ella Trujillo, and I also want to thank the theme music composer, author, and singer, the Chanteuse Lady Rizzo. You can hear our episodes on Employee of the Month. Yep, she's been on more than once. And thank you to Slate, Jessamine Molly, Daniel Schrader, and Faith Smith. Thank you all for tuning in. If you like the episode, please give us a high rating on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Hope to see you December 1st at the Bell House. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus, and I'm signing off. Give it up for Katie. Give it up for the guests tonight, y'all. But now, rewind the show, y'all. Everybody back up. It's time for the employee of the month. Rip, wrap up. Guest number three. Hurry and get the award for her. She'll float away on an umbrella. Emily Mortimer. Yeah, in this cruel world, she's a soothing ointment. By the way, can you take me to my dentist appointment? Writer, actor, brilliant since birth. You and murderers, my favorite people on earth. Keep going wherever you do. It's working. It was such a bold choice to wear that merkin. Shout out to your great friend doll from the UK, England, just not Scotland, y'all. So come on and hold those plaques up. Give it up for the employee of the month wrap up now. We'll drink the drinks and spark the blood to give it up.